Hey, this is Cooper Smith. I'm one of the student worship pastors at Eastview, and I'm honored to welcome you to our Eastview Students High School podcast. We hope this is encouraging, inspiring, and helpful for you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy the message. I want to start uh, this morning by just kind of addressing what I know you guys are already thinking. Yes, I did get new white shoes. No, I have never owned white shoes before. So we're taking the over under of three weeks before I completely ruin these. What do you think? Who's taking the over? Under? Come on, guys, come on. Okay, new white shoes, there you go. So now you're not distracted by them. All right, there's this well-known phrase I wanna talk about in our world today. It's a, it's a phrase that sometimes I think is an excuse to do things that are incredibly stupid. It's a phrase to do something that maybe you've never done before. Or it's a phrase that means you're going to take a giant leap of faith. This phrase is, and finish this sentence, <laughs> it's not YOLO. <clears throat> Desperate times call for... Desperate measures, right? Desperate times call for desperate measures, and I think it's true, but I don't think we necessarily take this idea in the smartest way. What is the most desperate move you guys have ever made? Can you guys think of a moment where absolute desperation, you do something that you would have never otherwise made before? Because boy, do I have a story for you. First grade. I wanted to raise money to buy my first Game Boy Advance. You guys know what the Game Boy Advance is? Okay, it's, I'm wondering like when it's gonna be like out of style, like that, that is something like I have no idea what that is, but okay, some of us still know. I wanna buy my first Game Boy Advance. So I go to my parents, I'm like, hey, I want a Game Boy Advance. And they say, well, why don't you do a lemonade stand? Now let me just pause and say, Talk about like the worst rate of return with a lemonade stand, okay? I'm making maybe $6, but that is the advice that I get from my parents. I digress, we keep going. Anyway, I was desperate for a Game Boy, so I'm going to do whatever I need to do. I wanted one that badly. I had to play Pokemon. I had to. I had to play the new Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. That was the game. I wanted to play it. Had to have the Game Boy Advance. So, me and my buddy Cameron, we set up this lemonade stand, and we get it all set up, we make a sign, we make the lemonade, we've got it ready, we've got regular lemonade, and we've got pink lemonade, so it's like we've got options, right? And we're here, and we're sitting here, and no one's stopping. No one's stopping for us. It's like, we're, we're adorable first graders, right? We're making a lemonade stand. It's a pretty good deal. We didn't go with the 25 cents because, let's be honest, it's going to take a while to get my $6. So we got 50 cents lemonade. Maybe that was the ripoff. But also, no one told us the strategy for lemonade stands. All right, so we parked our lemonade stand at the end of a cul-de-sac. So, you get the point, right? So like barely any cars are driving by. Well, again, right? Desperate times call for desperate measures. I need my Game Boy Advance. I need money. So, the punk that I was, I decided to take matters into my own hands, and any time a car would drive by, I'd reach into the ice bucket and just start chucking it at vans. 
and cars. And I'd start chucking ice. Desperate times call for desperate measures, people. All right? And I, I, this was not a good strategy for sales. But anyway, I'm chucking ice. And all of a sudden, I chuck this ice at this van, and the van slams on their brakes. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> right? There's this middle-aged mom with her two kids in the back, spikes it into reverse, and just kicks it right back to me. My buddy Cameron says, see ya, takes off, okay? And I'm standing here, having just chucked ice at this minivan, as this middle-aged mom screams her head off at me, and I'm just bawling. But I'm just frozen. And I'm just standing there, just absolutely terrified, all right? Do not tick off a mom in a minivan. That's the moral of the story, guys, okay? But desperate times call for desperate measures. Now, in the grand scheme of things, my desperate time was not earning maybe $6, okay? Was it really that desperate? Maybe not. But in the story today, I wanted to set this precedent of desperate times call for desperate measures because the stakes are really high in this story. The story we're going to get to today, which is in Exodus chapter 2, if you guys want to open up your Bibles and go ahead and get there, we're going to start in verse 1, but I kind of want to set the stage of where we've been. So, right, we've started this new series called The Fam. Matt was in here last week, right, and he talked about how the people of God have become to multiply. They've become, they've, they've started to multiply, they've become powerful, they're filling the land, Right? And then Pharaoh looks at this and he sees all of these people multiplying and he's like, this is a problem because eventually they're going to get too big and they're going to overpower us. So Pharaoh decides to set something, a law, a rule in order for the people of Israel to no longer grow in power. And so what Pharaoh does is he goes to the Hebrew, the Israelite midwives, and he tells them, this is what I want you to do. Anytime you're giving birth to an Israelite, If it's a boy coming out, I want you to kill him. I want you to kill him. If it's a girl, that's fine. If it's a boy, I want you to kill him. We'll see what was interesting was these Hebrew midwives, they were faithful to God. They trusted God. They believed in him. So they were going to do that. So they, they didn't listen to Pharaoh. They didn't do it. And what was interesting about this story too is that every time Pharaoh made this law and started to oppress them, the people of Israel just kept growing. Like, you would think this law would eventually make them less powerful, but no, the people of Israel continued to multiply. So Pharaoh said, this is, I got to take matters into my own hands. So what he does is, he tells his soldiers, he tells his people, he's like, anytime you see a newborn boy, I want you to throw him into the river and kill him. That's the context where this story sets in. A little more desperate than a lemonade stand, right? This is a desperate situation. And I just, want, I just want to say that this is the context where our story takes place. And I just want to pause real quick and I want to say it's very quick for us to say, man, our world is in terrible shape. Like this is the worst it has ever been. Can I just suggest to you that there is a moment in humanity, in human history, where people are throwing boys, newborn boys, into a river and murdering them. Okay, let me just suggest that our world has just been evil for a long time. 
And it's not that today is somewhat so much worse than it's ever been, but that sin is a real thing. And this world is full of it. Now, I think what's become a huge stumbling block for a lot of people your age, a lot of people, I think a lot of you guys ask this question. You ask, if God exists, if God exists and he is good, why does he allow bad things to happen? Why would he allow something like this, newborn boys being killed, why would God allow that? Throw in any situation in our world today, right? Why would God allow all of the, like hundreds of thousands of Americans to die from COVID? Why would God allow that? Why would God allow someone like George Floyd to be murdered in such a brutal way like that? Why would God allow all of these bad things? Why would God allow for my family to just completely fall apart? Why would God allow me to struggle with suicidal thoughts and depression and these hard things? That's a huge question for you guys. Why would God allow this? And I read up on this this week because something didn't sit right with me. Something didn't sit right with me as we looked at this passage in Exodus chapter 1 and it sees And you see that God blessed these people and he multiplied them. But for some reason, the blessing of God in this passage actually led to something horrible. And I asked the question, why would God allow that? Why would he do that? And I read something really interesting in a commentary that said that in a fallen world, I want you guys to get this because I really had to sit and think with this. In a fallen world, the blessings of God are often so in conflict with the prevailing corrupt values of the world's culture, that they function as a threat to those not aligned with God's will. So something that God calls good, the world is going to call bad. And so the world is going to be against anything like that. The people of Israel multiplying and being fruitful, Pharaoh, evil, that's not good, I'm going to attack that. And it kind of makes sense to us, right? You can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, right? The Garden of Eden. God has made this beautiful paradise for Adam and Eve. But the world says no to the good things. And we have the serpent that deceives Adam and Eve. Even look at the story in the New Testament. How many times does Jesus perform a miracle to heal someone? And someone's like, I'm going to kill him. Right? Jesus does something good, he does something right, but the world says, no, that's wrong, and so it's going to be a threat to that, and it's going to attack that. God's will and love for us is so good, and this world is so evil, that those things are just going to clash. Right? Now, in this story, at first you don't really understand why God would allow something as brutal as this until you see how God's going to use it. So, Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We're getting to the birth story of Moses. You guys have heard all about Moses through that Big Ideas series. Now we're really getting into understanding the start of Moses' life. Here it is. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She, thought, she saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. And she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. And the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see 
what would happen to him. Desperate times call for desperate measures, right? Here's Moses' mom in this situation where all of these newborn boys are being murdered and thrown into the Nile, and here she is with her newborn boy. Moses' mom had no other choice. If she keeps him in this situation, Moses is gone. He's going to die. They're going to take him. They're going to kill him. I was wondering this week, though, while reading, did she know what was going to happen here with this story of putting Moses into this basket and letting him go? You know, maybe she sent him down the river because she was going to go a ways away, away from like all of civilization so that maybe she could nurse him or just be with him away from all the people. Maybe. But she'd have to do that for a long time. And I don't know, like she's probably going to get caught. Maybe she knew that eventually, if you guys know this story, Moses is going to end up at Pharaoh's daughter's palace, right? Maybe she knew that this is the strategy here, but I don't know if that's quite the strategy because if you guys have ever been out in the rain and you've put leaves right next to the curb and watched it go towards the gutter, the leaf doesn't always go where you want it to go. So maybe that's not the situation. Honestly, what I think this is, guys, I think this is a last-ditch effort. I think Moses' mom is at an impasse here. There's nothing else she could possibly do in this situation. She's kept him hidden for three months. I don't know how, but she can't do it any longer. She's got to let go. She's got to let Moses go and trust that God's going to do something. And in this moment of blind faith, she takes this basket and she puts a baby in there And she sends him down a river. That's crazy to me. But that's where she's at. She has to take this moment. Now, we know the end of the story. God's going to take this moment of blind faith that Moses' mom, and she's going to do something incredible with it. But at this time, as as Moses' mom is placing him in this basket and sending him down the river, no chance she knows what's going to happen. But that's what she does. And here's the thing. I think there are a lot of moments in our life that are a lot like this. Like Moses' mom, you've got to at some point take a leap of faith. I don't know where you guys are at with Jesus right now. Some of you in here, you guys have got rock solid faith. Like It's been going well for a while. But for some of you in here, I know it because I've been around it and I've been there. You're having doubts. You may look at the world and you're like, God, I don't know. Jesus, I I don't know if I trust him, believe this, am all in on this. And you're here in this moment. But for some of you, trusting Jesus is gonna be a leap of faith. It might be this chance where you're like, who knows? But you know what, where life is at right now? Might as well give it a shot. And can I just suggest to you in here, anyone in here right now that is wrestling with faith, that isn't quite sure, that maybe doesn't believe in Jesus, can I just suggest this morning, sometime, you just give Jesus a shot. Because I'm telling you, Jesus does something when we take our moments of blind faith and we say do something with it. He is known for that. We have what's called 
basket moments. I'm calling these basket moments. Where we're in our life, these moments of desperation, these moments of this world has no more answers to my problems. And you know what? I'm at my, I'm at my moment's end here. I've got to just send this down the river and say, God, I'm here. Just do something with this. I call these basket moments because we need to understand something about what it means to follow Jesus. When we're at our most desperate points, when we're at a point where we look to the world for something and no longer is it going to give us what we want or what we need, when this world has nothing else to offer, we realize you guys cannot possibly control everything in your life. You can't control it. There are things in your life that are uncontrollable. Somebody dies. You can't control that. You're wrestling with these thoughts. Sometimes you can't control that. Can I suggest that in these moments, the best one to trust to take control is a God that has always had it? Is a God that has always seen the plan? God, in every moment that Moses' mom takes him and puts him in the basket, God knew exactly what was going to happen. But she didn't know that. She had to let go of this thing and let God take it. Here's the thing. I think we need to take our feelings of wanting to be safe from COVID and wanting this to be all over, and we need to put it in this basket and send it down the river and say, God, just take it. We need to take this desire to be rid of depression and suicidal thoughts and these things that have been rattling around in our brain for a while, and we need to say, God, I need you to take this. We need to take our dream school. Some of you seniors in here, dream school, dream college, you're getting there. Juniors, you're probably thinking about it now. You need to take that and say, God, take this where you want it to go. We need to take our relationships with our parents, with our friends, with our boyfriend, with our girlfriend. We need to put it in this basket and say, God, I can't control this. Take it. We need to take our hope of a relationship with Jesus and we need to put it in this basket and say, God, take it. We put it in this basket as a sign that we're giving up control here. And we're acknowledging, and you guys are going to get this, I promise you, there are going to be moments in your life that you're at your absolute most desperate time. You're sitting in your room crying with no answers. You're sitting in your room processing, I have nowhere else to go. You feel like your friends that you trusted deserted you. I don't know, lay any scenario down. There's going to be a moment in time where you're at your most desperate moment. What are you going to do with those? I would suggest that we put it in a basket and we say, Jesus, I need you to take this. And let me tell you something, and this is what I love about God. God's famous for taking basket moments and changing people's stories. Take Moses, for example. Moses, his life circumstance gives him no shot. No shot at living past three months. But God took one faith, blind leap of faith from his mom and rescued two million people. God took 
A guy like David, who said, I'm going to take a blind leap of faith here and go battle this giant. And God completely changed the trajectory of David's life. God took a guy like Peter, this fisherman, wasn't doing much, and took a blind leap of faith that Peter's like, Jesus seems cool, I'm going to follow him. And completely altered his life. How many times in the Bible do you see blind people crawling out to Jesus? Don't even just hear he's there and say, Jesus, Jesus, help me. How many times did Jesus heal literal blind people? And let me tell you this, Jesus is trustworthy because he took that moment that was meant for evil and made it incredible. And he took us at our most desperate moment, our most desperate moment of death knocking at the doorstep, of sin overcoming our life, and Jesus took that and he overcame that. Jesus took a story that had no chance to now every story Every story, every single one of you that says, I am going to put all of my eggs in this basket and trust that Jesus is going to take it. I just, guys, I believe this wholeheartedly that if you do that, Jesus is going to do something with your life. I promise you that, and I promise you that because I've seen it. So, what are your basket moments? Maybe in this room right now, you've seen it. You've seen God take those moments of just blind faith and do something incredible. And maybe this morning you haven't seen that yet. That's okay. I, it, it took a while for Moses. It took years until you realized just how big, just how big of a moment God was going to make that. Now, desperate times call for desperate measures. And there comes a time where, let me just suggest to you guys, before I get to my last point, in those moments, give Jesus a shot. Just give him a shot. Because I promise you, and I firmly believe that God is going to do something with it. Now, I want to relate this back to the fam. Okay? I just want to say, Moses' mom is an absolute boss here. And not only Moses' mom, but also his sister. And let me just pause here. Ladies, this story proves that sometimes we need women running the show. Because you take faith moments like Moses' mom and Moses' sister, and something incredible happens in this passage. Do you guys know who wrote the book of Exodus? Moses. So, Moses right here is talking about his mom. He's talking about his mom. And he's remembering this incredible moment of faith that literally saved his life. And I think for a lot of us who have grown up in Christian homes, we forget how much our parents did for us. And we don't always think about the ways in which our parents instilled faith and protected us and took moments, took these basket moments and trusted God with it, raising us in the faith. And here's the thing. This world is really trying to get at this idea 
that you need to raise your kids to believe whatever they want to believe. This world is telling parents that that is the way you love your children, that you help them believe whatever they want to because it's their choice. Can I just suggest to you that parenting in the faith is actually loving your child the best way possible? Because it's the truth. Your parents, by setting this foundation, are loving you in this most incredible way. I think it is an absolute lie that loving your child well means raising them to believe whatever they want. And guys, I just, knowing Jesus, no matter the age, is better than any other way. I really believe that. Now, I say that, and I want all of you in here that grew up in Christian homes, I just want you to think of the ways that your parents really raised you well and raised you in the faith. But I acknowledge in here that there are some of you in here that that's not your story. That your parents, it was messy. And you didn't grow up in a Christian home. You didn't grow up in the faith. You don't have great memories of your parents parenting well. And it's hard to look at this story and say, how can I honor my parents? But perhaps, for you guys, you can see that this is how I want to raise my kids one day. Because you guys, a lot of you may get there. And you're going to be raising kids. And you have to think, how am I going to love my kids well? How am I going to raise them in the faith? I want you guys to think about that. I'm going to pray real quick over this. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the message, we'd love it if you would join us on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. for our Eastview Students High School service. We also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast and share it to your social media accounts. To stay up to date, check us out on Instagram at EastviewHSM and check out our Eastview Students YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.